Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. In 1970, I was with some friends of the time, um, and the, his parents had um, bought a property out of Goulburn. And uh, their plan was to um, build a house on there. The property hadn't been inhabited for decades. It was scrub. Um, there were dams on the property, but the place was wild. In fact, um, the locals would go there hunting for ruse. And when they found out that we were there, they had to spread the word around so that um, we weren't in the line of fire. But the plan was to go there and set up camp under, tent, under tents and um, work on the, uh, the building of the house on weekends. Where the camp was situated, and I was uh, with them on a couple of occasions, it was on a slope very close to the boundary to the next door. There was a paddock there and it was being used. Um, the owner of, the, of that particular property was a weekend farmer. He worked and lived in Goulburn, but on the weekends uh, he would go to the, the property and uh, raise sheep. There was about 40 head of sheep on a 40 acre paddock. And uh, if you've ever been out that way, you know it can be uh, pretty dry at times. Whilst we were there on one occasion, we noticed that there was some movement in uh, some of the bushes nearby um, and heading down towards the dam that was in our property. Um, and we realized that they were sheep. It was a ram and about two or three ewes and they had gotten through a fence and had broken away and I don't know how long they had been um, on, the, on the run but the ram was, his wool was long and torn and they were dirty, they were unkept, um, they were sheep without a shepherd. And that's the focus of our um, message tonight is that Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, pray for your guidance tonight. Be with me and uh, may it not be done in the flesh. May your Holy Spirit uh, be in control. Uh, may everything that is said um, and done and thought uh, be under the control of your Holy Spirit. We pray for those who are uh, listening to the message now. Be with them also. Uh, that uh, uh, for, Particularly for those who do not know Christ, that uh, you will open their eyes, help them to see uh, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapters 8, 9, and 10 mark the turning point where the Pharisees and the religious elite of the day rejected Jesus. 
They rejected his claim to be the Messiah. And at that point, we see that his face had turned to Calvary. In John 8, 24, we see uh, these words. The Lord Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. In verse 28, he says, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he. In John uh, 8, verses 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Um, that's the, we've heard it mentioned many times before. They are two Greek words, ego, I, me. It is I, I am. It is an emphatic I am. They knew what that meant and they rejected him. In John 9, the religious leaders rejected the testimony of the blind man whom Jesus had healed and cast him out of the temple. In other words, they didn't just throw him out of the building, they excommunicated him. And we see that in verse 34. We don't need to go there. In John chapter 9, uh, if it's uh, in uh, your Bible, it's just above chapter 10. So you can look at it. John chapter 9 ends with a declaration to the unbelieving Jews that because they claimed to have knowledge of the truth, yet rejected him as Messiah, they were still in their sin. Jesus said unto them in verse 41, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. The Pharisees and other religious leaders of the time rejected Jesus as the Messiah because his preaching exposed their pride, their self-righteousness, their hypocrisy. They would rather rely upon their own works. Jesus, in order to, to declare again to the unbelieving Jews that he was the promised Messiah and that there was no other way to God, used an illustration that was very familiar with his audience. It was the illustration of the sheep coat or the sheepfold. They're the same thing. Now, at this point, uh, as I've hinted in my um, introduction, in introductory comments, uh, I need to do some clarification here. Because if I'm speaking to an Australian audience, which I am, or most Western uh, audiences, uh, you have to put aside the images that may be in your mind. Uh, those images that I have from my youth, from my uh, younger days, uh, are, are very vivid. But what the Lord was dealing with and what the people he, who were listening to him were familiar with was a totally different situation. The concept of sheep densities being one animal to the acre, leaving a mob of uh, sheep in a 40 to 100 acre paddock with a, a dam in the corner of it, um, and, and the shepherd being a drover. Those images are far removed from the context of sheep herding, sheep farming in Bible days. 
in fact, the biblical example still exists. Um, in, in places like the Middle East and even in UK and Scotland and even in North Africa and Morocco, you will find sheep coats. You will find that a shepherd will lead his sheep and he will call them and they will come to him. But not so much in Australia. Like I say, we don't call them a flock. We call them a mob. Jesus used this familiar relationship to illustrate his love for his people. So the first part is the parable, the sheepfold. It's a place of safety. We see that in John chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The sheep coat was often a four-walled enclosure. It was made of rocks, stones. Most of the time it had no roof. And it had only one entry point, like Noah's Ark. It had one door. If the shepherd had his flock far from home, he would use a sheepfold to protect the flock from wild animals and thieves at night. Sometimes a sheepfold was built around the entrance to a cave where the sheep would shelter from bad weather. And we see such a reference to this when Saul, King Saul, was hunting for David. And we see that in 1 Samuel 24, verse 3. We'll go there. 1 Samuel 24, verse 3. And he came to the sheepcoats. This is Saul. By the way, where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So there was a sheepcoat, and there was a cave. The sheepcoat, the wall, was out in front of the cave with one door, and the sheep would enter into the sheepcoat, but if the weather was bad, they would go into the cave as well, where there was uh, more solid protection. So, this is the type of uh, uh, design okay, uh, that was being used in those days. Sheepfolds, as I say, still exist today. Flocks were much smaller in Bible times. And the shepherd knew each sheep. And he had a name for each sheep. John 10, verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Now if you think that's a bit far-fetched, just, uh, I'll refer to Google here, just Google a video, and it's this one. A shepherd leads his sheep across the street or across a busy road in Jordan. And what you will see is 
a shepherd today, or it was probably about a few years ago, and he's got a flock of sheep behind him. They're the fat-tailed sheep. They're the Bible sheep. And he comes to the edge of the road and there's traffic. It's in Amman, Jordan. And there's cars going everywhere. And he's going, and they stop. Stop dead. They, not, not one sheep goes in front. And then he moves out onto the road and gives a happy wave to any driver that doesn't stop for him. You know, um, and then when there is a break, he moves a little bit further into the road and call, the sheep just go with him. You try and do that. You try taking a mob of sheep across George Street and uh, peak hour in Sydney and you'd have lamb cutlets everywhere, you know. So what we are talking about here, this biblical, this biblical illustration here is from reality. This is what happened. And to complete the story of our video, he actually gets them all the way across. I mean, we're talking three lanes each way. And he gets them across this road and gets them to the point where there's a park or something. And then he says, off you go. And they just go off into the bush, into the, into the pasture. There was an intimate relationship between the flock and the shepherd. The sheep knew their shepherd. They knew his voice and would follow him. Even when flocks were mixed, and sometimes in these sheep coats, um, if they were in an area where there was a lot of different uh, flocks, and maybe sometimes a little bit closer to uh, an inhabited area, they would use the same sheep coat. All the sheep, they'd all go in, all mixed up. But when it was time to go out, the shepherd would stand at the door and start to call them by name. Out they'd come. But not the sheep of another flock. They knew his voice and they would follow him, even when flocks were mixed. Separating them was relatively simple as the shepherd would call his sheep and they would follow him. He would lead them out to find pasture and water. And there we, we have echoes of Psalm 23. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Of a night time, the shepherd would sleep in the opening and be the door to the sheepfold. Any thief or wild animal trying to get to the sheep would have to get past the shepherd first. Only a thief or a wild animal would attempt to go over the wall in order to avoid the shepherd guarding the ship and guarding the entrance. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So only legitimate people with legitimate reasons would go through the door and they would go by via the, the shepherd. Anybody that had um, some uh, lamb chops on their mind, you know, would, wouldn't go via the shepherd. They'd try and go over the wall. But they didn't get it. His audience, even though they were very familiar with uh, what the Lord Jesus was talking about, they just didn't get the connection. So the Lord gave them the interpretation of the parable. And the interpretation is very, is very clear. It's there. Verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, 
He's got to spell it out. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The entrance into God's flock, into God's flock, is through Jesus Christ. If you want to come to God, you have to go through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. This comes in the context of Jesus' rejection by the false religious teachers, the scribes and the Pharisees. The implication here is that those who truly knew God or were sincerely looking for the truth would see through their false teaching. There were those who in Jesus' day that were truly looking for Messiah. Think of Simeon and Anna. The application from uh, what we've read even thus far is that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. God knows those who would trust in Jesus and he gives them understanding. Maybe you have been searching for the true meaning of life and you have searched in many places but have not found it. Maybe you've searched for it in the false foundation of evolution and all the philosophies that come with it. Foundation, uh, evolution is the foundation for humanism, seeking self-satisfaction. I mean, if you don't know, if you've come from a monkey and you, when you die, you're going to die as a dog, or you, well, what's the purpose of life? Do what you like. You know, make yourself happy. Don't worry about anybody else. It's the law of the jungle. That's the thinking that comes from those sort of philosophies. Or you've sought to right the world's wrongs through political movements or reversing climate change or saving the whales, whatever it may be. You've sought the meaning of life in the wrong places. Maybe you've sought the truth in religion, but find yourself on a never-ending merry-go-round of good works and the insecurity that comes from really not knowing whether you're going to satisfy God in the end or not. I mean, I was raised in the Catholic family and that was, that was my situation. There was no assurance of salvation. It was go to mass, you know, do this, have your communion, um, you've got to be baptised, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But there was no assurance of salvation in all that. The truth is that trying to be good enough for God just doesn't work. You'll always fall short. All we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of these things may seem good, but they don't satisfy God's wrath towards your sin. And that's the issue, that's the thing that has to be resolved. Your sin has to be dealt with. And God has to be satisfied that it is dealt with. Verse 9, I am the door. 
By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus was saying to his audience, the only way to find God and forgiveness of sins is through trusting in him. In trusting in Christ for salvation. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Only he can take away your sin and give you life, true life. The shepherd's flock would go in and out of the sheepfold. They would follow the shepherd out of the pastures, out to the pastures rather, where the lush green grass and the cool refreshing water would provide life. When we trust in Christ for salvation, he saves us and through his Holy Spirit indwells us, he leads us through life and we have fellowship with him and have life, eternal life that no one can take away. You see, he's not some remote God that doesn't have anything to do with us. He is deeply involved with our lives. We sing, you know, I have a friend in Jesus. And he is, he's the best friend you could ever have. There are people who, for whatever circumstances, may find themselves without any friends. And sometimes coming to Christ means that your worldly friends will leave you. Um, you know, be prepared for that. But the best friend you could ever have is Jesus Christ. Because he loves you. And you will have eternal satisfaction and peace with him in heaven forever even if this world is rocky in between no one can take away that salvation that comes through jesus christ verse 10 the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly in john 14 verse 6 jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me As thomas was asking the question show us the father show us the way sorry show us the way philip was asking the other one show us the way and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The more a society moves away, and we're in it, the Western world is in it. We see it happening at an increasing rate. The more a society moves away from God, rejects the concept of God, the more you see the fingers of death in that society. You think about it. Over several decades now, we've been, there have been Christian organisations fighting tooth and nail on the issues of abortion, taking the life of a baby in the womb, euthanasia, knocking off the oldies at the other end. Now they're talking about trying to have, you know, um, uh, teleprescriptions. You can ring up as a 14 year old and say I've had enough of my teenage life I want to I want to bring it to the end 
and they'll show you and help you how to do it. I mean, seriously? And they think that's progression? And all the immorality that we have, and I know there's children here, so we won't go into any details, but you think they're all designed to stop life from progressing. Stop reproduction. That's death. Societies can't survive like that. And that's what the, uh, a godless society, that's the pathway a, uh, a godless society goes down. It's the pathway of death. How does Jesus give us life? Verse 11, he says it. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And in John 10, 15, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. As well as being valuable for wool and meat in Israel, sheep were used in sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. These sacrifices were prophecies in action, pointing to the day when Messiah would come and save them and take away their sin. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist said to Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, or which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus came to this earth to take away the sin of the world. This he did by taking upon himself the sin of all mankind, past, present and future, on the cross. The Bible explains that exchange when it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There was an exchange. His holiness, his righteousness, given to the believer, imputed to me, to you if you're a believer in Christ. And it can be to you if you want to know Christ as Saviour. And he took upon himself my wretchedness. All the filthy things that I've ever done. And you think, when you think of everybody in the world, past, present and future, that was laid upon him. Jesus is fully qualified to take away our sin because he is the sinless son of God. One of the incidents that led to Jesus giving this parable of the good shepherd was when the Pharisees cast out the temple of the blind man whom Jesus had healed. They didn't want to accept it. They kept on asking this guy, how did he do it? Who was it that did this? And when he gave them the answer, they just didn't want to hear it. They gave the question again and again. And when he started to talk to them and, and basically he was preaching to them, they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. It was God manifested in the flesh who died on that cross for you and me. You can come to God through no other door. 
as Noah had one door. There was only one way into that ark of safety. So there is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Again, the, the words of uh, 14, John 14, verse 6, echoes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus likened anyone else who proclaimed any other way to God as an hireling. A hireling was a hired man who was supposed to look after the sheep. The love for the sheep isn't in the hireling's heart. When danger comes, like a wolf or a lion or a bear, he runs and leaves the flock to be attacked. And sheep are pretty helpless. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. Without trusting in Christ for salvation, a man or a woman is destined for an eternity in hell. There is no other way. And the human heart often wants to find some way. There is no other way. There is no other door. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose victorious over sin and death and hell. As he foretold in his explanation of this parable in verse 17. Go to verse 17. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I, have I received of my father. Jesus is a living saviour. He invites you to be on, believe on him and be saved. Come to him because only Jesus can give you eternal life. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Come to Jesus Christ today and receive that eternal life.